Mansell with HJ Sports, and today we're going to go over our new sites within the Tetra line for 2022. So new for 2022, we actually came out with a new way to mount your scope housing to the infinite adjust bracket. No longer do you have to worry about your vertical adjustments uh, intertwining with the second axis adjustments. So as you'll see on the scope housing, uh, there's actually an additional brick. You can either mount that to the inside of the riser or to the outside of the riser. We recommend that for most traditional bows, you mount that to the inside of the riser and for any sort of sight that you're gonna mount in line with the bow to use the outside. Just flip that around um, and mount it to the outside of the riser. So within each of the product categories, we have the Tetra Max, the Tetra, and then the Tetra LT. As always, our Tetra line of sights come in four different scope housing size options, an inch and three eighths, an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarters, and then also our four pin housing, which is an inch and three quarters. We also offer a 10 thousandths pin and a 19 thousandths pin for both single pin and four pin options. On the Tetra itself, we once again have micro adjustments as well as your macro gain adjustments for left and right. For your vertical adjustments on your Tetra bow sight, you'll want to use the screw right here on the infinite adjust rail and the screw below that. You'll just loosen those and slide it up and down. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra bow sight is the integrated scope ring that has a built-in level. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra site is the ability to take a 2500 blue burst light. This is an added on accessory, but you can actually put that on there to add light to your pin or to reduce light. With that, we also have mechanical rheostat, which is an exclusive feature to HHA on the Tetra line. You'll be able to turn in the rheostat if you want to dim the light, and then you'll also be able to turn it out if you want to let more light in. Also on our 2022 Tetra line bow sights, the Tetra comes in either a fixed frame, our Hunter Edition frame, or it comes on a four to eight inch adjustable dovetail. All HHA products are 100% made and sourced in the USA, and they carry a 100% lifetime warranty. For any more questions, please visit our website at www.hjsports.com. Hello, we're at the ATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place, roll those blades up, and then it's a click and another click on the other side. It's completely set in, will not prematurely deploy, will not rattle free, solid containment, 100% deployment every time. So we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time. So that's what's new for VIP this year. 
Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. Folks, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bucks of America podcast. I am your host, Jeff Vance. This podcast is pretty sweet here. I, I have Armando on the line here from the Bow Hitch. And he's come up with this fantastic product that is, is taking the market by storm. It's something that's lightweight, easy, compact, and it's ounces, not pounds. It's very uh, necessary for your, your for your gear for when you're hiking in or you're hiking out when you're trying to do stuff it is just all around uh, need to have on your bow type accessory here and Armando taking the time tonight I really appreciate him coming on we're going to be discussing his uh, his whole journey and stuff in the outdoor world how he figured out this product and going from there and the people he's gotten to meet and the cool things we all know we, we have a common friend we have Ben Klausman uh, and we're, and we're going to find out more about ha- that relationship shoot down the road in the podcast here so but first here I'm gonna let Armando take take over here I want him to tell you guys and myself more about him and how he got into hunting and archery and everything else. Right on. Well, thank you guys. Thank you for having me. Uh, blessed to be here today. Happy to be here. Uh, coming off a little bit of a cold, so my voice is a little bit scratchy, so bear with me. But, uh, you know, my journey really began as, as a young man hunting with my dad when it uh, started out, you know, with the 22, had a single shot 22 that I still have to this day and he'd take us out and we'd walk around and we'd look for rabbits and um you know that's that's really where my hunting day started once I was old enough he'd let me ride shotgun in him and with him and my uncles and they'd be driving around looking for deer that's kind of the way things were were done back in the day uh, especially over here where, where we were hunting in New Mexico and so I was a professional beer handler at the age of about 12 <laughs> when I could reach for the cooler, open up a beer and hand them out with the best of them. So uh, that my, my services were needed at that point in time. But, you know, my the career just started there, um, you know, enjoyed hunting. We hunted with uh, uh, black powder rifles back in the day. So I killed my first deer with a black powder rifle with an old, 54 caliber Hawkins Renegade uh, with a round ball and patch. And um, that that's what uh, we shot that with peep sights. And that's what we hunted with until I started bow hunting in uh, in high school. And, and that was really the only gun that I ever hunted with. We never rifle hunted. It was always muzzleloader or nothing at all. So, um, you know, my evolution came from the single shot 22 to... Eventually, I think I was 12 years old when I shot my first deer, and that was with the muzzle loader. And uh, ever since then, it's it's just gone, gone and grown. And uh, now I'm hunting with my own kids. It's, it's a crazy circle. 
Oh, isn't that the truth here? Now, you said you, you started hunting with rabbits. Like, did, now, did you, being out there in that southwest area, did you ever get a chance to come across any jackalopes or uh, uh, any, uh, what is it? Oh, what's that big rabbit? It's uh, jackrabbits. You ever come across those while you're out there hunting? There's, a, there, there's quite a bit of jackrabbits out here. So, yeah, we've, we've shot quite a bit of those. What's your biggest one? Have you been able to shoot? Uh, dude, I couldn't even tell you, man. I mean, there, we never really bothered to, I guess, take measurements of them, but there's some, there's some pretty big rabbits, but, uh, I couldn't tell you a size. I'd be, I'd be guessing shooting in the dark here. Understandable. I think, uh, what was Steve, not Steve Brunella, but Randy Newberg, he had a fish and game guy come on his podcast, been on several times. I think the state record for New Mexico Arizona, either one of the two states there. I think it's like thirteen pounds. It's just an absolute that's massive. That's a hammer of a rabbit. I don't know. I, I, I guess I might have to start keeping track. You know, it's just it's just good to kind of keep track of that information because then he could always pass that information on to uh, wild game or to the, the uh, yeah uh, wildlife air out there for them to keep that in their records. I know. My dad's friends, when they were hunting back in the '90s, when I first started hunting, hunting rabbits and stuff, we took a we kept a journal. We kept we didn't keep track on how big or how heavy they were because they're just cottontails. I mean, you one to three pounds, nothing too or out of the ordinary. The reason why you don't actually pull a trigger on a cottontails is depending on how big the ears are, just to kind of give you a, a gauge of how big they're going to be and how much meat you're going to get off of it. But they were when they're recording. From like 1990 to 95 in their logbook, they were recording anywhere between 100 to 105 uh, pheasants a season. Then as it progressed, it got lower and lower because less CRP land. They're burning more ditches more frequently. And it, it was just one of those things where they're pushing almost, it was almost like an anti hunting technique where it's ended up pushing the hunting out and forcing the birds in places that you couldn't reach. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's cool to keep track of. Oh yeah, definitely. Because then this way, then you can kind of see how things progress, and it's like once we once those num numbers recover, well, then now it's like, well, we have another understanding of what we did wrong for the X amount of period of time, you know. Sure. So you said you shot your first deer. Was it a mule deer or a whitetail? Mule deer. We have about ninety five percent mule deer in New Mexico. Uh, okay. Very very few whitetail. Uh, yeah. We do yeah. have some some coos deer. And then we also have some traditional whitetails that came over from Texas on the eastern portion of the state, uh, but but those are very rare. So the first deer I shot was a was a mule deer, and that was out in uh, Lincoln County, kind of where the Billy the Kid country, Lincoln County Wars, and all that country are over there. Man, isn't that exciting to be in the, in history, being going through the lands of where all those outlaws once ran through at one point in time in history? And the funny thing is that was not even, that was just about a hundred years ago. Because think what Billy the Kid, like some reports say he died in the early nineteen tens. So we're 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 coming on that hundred or over a hundred years now. Yeah, it it would dude, it was so cool. I love Billy the Kid, and you know, like Young Guns is my favorite movie. So I was I was super into it, and while we were on that hunt, we were driving around, and we got out and we were walking this one area, and I found a horseshoe, and it was like this super super old horseshoe, and I was just like 
blown away like holy shit this could possibly be like off of one of the horses of billy or somebody you know it's from that time just mm-hmm. a real just and i'm just talking ancient and uh we sat down and we were talking about it and we had lunch and then we got up and we started walking again and i uh I I left the horseshoe on a rock. And so when we were about half a mile, I don't know how far we were, but we were far enough away and I panicked and I was like, Dad, the horseshoe, I left the horseshoe, I gotta go back and get it. He's like, No, you're never gonna find it. you don't know where it's at, you're not gonna find it. He's like, No, I'll find it And he's like, Okay, we'll go, but don't get lost. So anyway I went back, looked around, looked around, looked around, finally found the horseshoe, but then I got lost. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so he let me he let me play it out for a little while and panic a little bit and then uh once he could once he can kinda see the panic set in, he walked in and got me and he's like, All right, you know, we walked through what you're supposed to do and how not to freak out and so it was quite uh quite a lesson I learned but but I got the horseshoe and I still have it to this day. Oh, that's fantastic. Talk about a heck of a memory with your with your dad. So tell me about your first muley then. Talk about that hunt. Well, the muley was our standard road hunt. <laughs> We're driving, you know, just literally driving down the road and uh, happened to, we, we talked to a game warden because we were at the Billy the Kid Museum and we ran into him over there and we were looking at the bullet hole that he shot at the, uh, what, what, what was the jail? You know, it says that he made his getaway from the jail and uh, shot a couple of shots and so there's a bullet hole in the stairwell in Lincoln County Jail. And so we were looking there, walking through the little tour that they have. Real small place, but we were doing that. And the warden that, you know, we, my dad told him that we were hunting and I was trying to find a deer. And he said, well, why don't you go check out this area? I've been seeing a couple deer in there. And sure enough, we drove uh, drove in there and saw the deer right out of the truck. And that was, uh, that was pretty much how it happened. I, uh, I shot the deer. We, we, we got out, shot the deer, and, I mean, the deer took a half a step and then went straight down uh, right through the heart, just a perfect shot. Um, and so we walk up to the deer, and that was my first, you know, big game kill. So I remember my emotions, you know, getting to me, and I felt bad for the deer, and I was sad and excited and everything at the same time, and I was crying. And so my dad had to explain to me, you know, exactly like i explained to my kids last season like hey this is what we do this is who we are this is part of the circle of life and you know this is this is uh this is what we do we need to figure out if this is part of you or if it's something you like or if it's or if it's not but you know there's nothing wrong with it and it's a blessing to be here and it's a blessing to be able to take an animal like this and um you know the animal didn't suffer um you know, we did it right. You know, one shot, went down, killed it. We're going to take all all the meat back. And, you know, so he kind of calmed me down and wiped my tears away. And uh, then we got after it and started, you know, we gutted it out and got it in the truck and brought him home. So um, it's just a, a beautiful thing that I'll never forget. I mean, just, uh, you know, that, that that's one of my my most cherished memories ever. 
man, that's brutally. It's a, talk about a heck of a life lesson though, that one of your first experiences there and having your dad there to kind of guide, guide you through those emotions that, that go through everything. Now, does your stat, does your dad still hunt too as well? Yeah, but yep. He, uh, he still hunts and he, uh, you know, getting up there, but we still, we went last year and we shot a, he shot an antelope, uh, last year and then this year he drew a mule deer tag with the muzzle loader so that one's going to be pretty neat to go on but uh every chance we get you know it's hard to get tags but when we get them you know he'll he'll be there he's going with me on my elk hunt this year so that'll be neat to have him there um so yeah we take advantage as much as we can and that is exciting to be able to stay, have have your own man to be able to go do all that fun stuff. I think that is off, off, that is awesome. Now, you said you had kids, right? Uh, do you able to bring your kids with you on your uh, elk hunt? Uh, on the elk hunt, I don't because it's an archery hunt. And my my so I have two kids. My daughter is Layla. She's twelve, and she's a killer. And then I have my son is Moises, and he's nine years old. And he's not uh, he's not interested in hunting just yet, so he goes with us um, on on a couple of hunts, and he has the best eyes. Like he's incredible eyesight, so he's really good at finding his animals, and and he's a good listener and a good walker, and he does everything well. But he just isn't interested in shooting anything. My Layla, on the other hand, is 12 years old, and she has killed. What did he kill? Uh, two antelope, a mule deer, a white-tailed deer. Did you kill a mule deer? No. Two, an elk. Yeah, and two elk. Wow, so, talk about a pedigree. Dude, she's a beast. Well, the, the, the beautiful thing I like about her is she listens to everything you say and she does it. So, like, if, if, if the guys that I guided in the past would listen to me like she does, we would have been way more successful way earlier in our hunt than we were but i mean if she if i say hey do this and that it's exactly what's going to happen and then you know because of that we're able to harvest you know we've been i think we were 100 percent with her so far man that's pretty so, cool you did you mention do you do you guide as well i, I did a, i did quite a bit in the past this last couple of years i haven't because i changed positions at work um, but I imagine I'm going to, I'm set to retire here pretty soon. So I'll probably get back into it in some sort of capacity in the next couple of years. That's exciting. You're about ready to retire. That's, that's, uh, pretty impressive. Oh man, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. It's been, it's been a phenomenal career. I'm grateful for it. Um, but my time, you know, I did, I did what I set out to do and, uh, I'm ready to pass it on to the next guy. My replacement is uh, is a real intelligent guy that's a go-getter. So I'm excited to hand off my division to him and see where he takes it. And uh, I'm ready to see where I can take this bow hits journey and what we can't make out of this run. Excellent. What are you, what, uh, what are you retiring from? What have you been doing for the last few years? I, I, am, I work for Albuquerque Fire Department, and I've been running the – I've been an arson investigator for about 13 years, and for the last four and a half years, I've been the uh, captain of the division, running that division for the city of Albuquerque. Oh, man, that's pretty legit, man. That's a pretty badass. 
Yeah, it's it was, it was phenomenal, dude. It was a we have a really good division. We have a very very strong division and uh, a very unique office. So I'll explain it a little bit. So the, our our division is even though we work for the fire department and we're all firemen and we came up through the ranks of the fire department, we in order to become an arson investigator with the Albuquerque Fire Department, you have to uh, go to the law enforcement academy. So we are all police officers now with commissioned law enforcement that work for the fire department. Oh, so that is, well, that's a good way to, to get your get your head get your mindset right and and, and pay attention to, to finer details it's it's actually quite intelligent for the department to have the have guys go folks go through that means of the training so this way when they graduate from that program they're going to they're going to start seeing more things that you may not recognize as a as a fire department as a, as a fireman right well yeah the good thing about it and the reason it's such a such a quality design is because for the most part, most fire departments, they have their own investigators and they'll go out and they'll investigate a fire. But then if there's a criminal aspect to it and they realize it was arson uh, or an incendiary fire, they have to turn that case over to another law enforcement entity. And when they turn that over, just so much, I believe, so much is lost, you know, in, in having to there as a fireman, you know, your in-depth knowledge of fire and fire behavior and fire patterns, and then turn that case over to a law enforcement officer who really doesn't have any training in, you know, the, the fire side. They, they simply do the, or not simply, but they, they handle the uh, law enforcement aspect and they write the charges up and, and do the whole nine to the DA's office and stuff. Man, that's really smart of you guys, man. You, I bet your guys' close rates much higher than other departments, and you're able to be able to pinpoint information quicker. That's really efficient. I like yeah. that. Yeah, we're we're typically about ten to fifteen percent higher than the national average for other departments our size. Wow, that's actually really impressive. That's a pat on the back for Amanda there. You you you've really gotten handle of everything as a captain to really train your guys up to be to be the best they can be. Yeah, their money. We we got a great division. So I'm, I was handed, you know, a really good division, and I was fortunate enough to come up through the division as from the rank of driver all the way to captain. So I was able to to see quite a bit and have a uh, some really good partners along the way. So um, everything just worked out. It's not just me. It's just everything. You know, you work hard, and it happens to pay off. So that's kind of what happened. That is pretty neat, man. So what got you into be into becoming a firefighter then working your way up to becoming a captain? Well, when I, I honestly didn't have any intention of joining the fire department. Like it wasn't something, you know, a lot of people are like, I want to be a fireman. And they know that when they're 12 years old or whatever. Um, but I had an uncle who was a fireman. And when I was in high school, he would call me up out of the blue and he'd be like, hey, what are you doing? And I'm just like, nothing, you know. But young kid, I wasn't doing anything. So he'd say, okay, cool. I'm picking you up. Get a sleeping bag and a change of clothes. Okay. And he'd pick me up. And whenever he'd work at the busy, busy station, he'd pick me up and I'd spend the night over there with him. And 
and uh, and I had no idea what he was doing, you know, but he was training me at that point and introducing me to the people that I needed to know. And uh, so I did, you know, several nights at these different fire stations and met different people and had an idea and an understanding of what the job was, you know, uh, a very minimal understanding. It was as much as a teenager can have, but um, that's the way it started. And then when it was, uh, when I was 21, it was time to start applying and he called me up and he said, okay, you need to go get your EMT license. So I went and got my license and, uh, you know, shortly after that I tested and, and eventually got into the department and, and that's kind of, that's how it started. And then while I was in the academy, uh, one of the portions that they teach you as a cadet was the arson portion. So the arson investigators come in and they give you, you know, their spill on the office and, and what happens and what they do and whatever. And so these guys came in in their suits and their ties and they had their guns. And I was like, what in the hell is that? And uh, fell in love with it right then and there. So I knew as a cadet that that's what I wanted to do. Um, I had set my sights once I graduated the academy to, you know, and kind of learned the different positions and ranks and stuff that I wanted to promote to the rank of lieutenant before I retired. That was my goal. And then once I got into arson, um, I knew that that was a position that I was going to pursue and really try to go after. So basically just kept my head down and was grinding and did my promotions and, you know, took my tests and did what I had to do to, uh, you know, apply for the arson division. And after a few years, I finally got selected and, uh, you know, took my lieutenant's test, passed the lieutenant's test. Well, took first, I, first I had to take a driver's test. And then once you're a driver, you can apply for the office. And then after I was a driver, I got in, went to the police academy, did some time in arson, and then uh, after a while, I took the lieutenant's test and I promoted and there was not a vacancy within the office. So I had to go back to the truck. So I rode, uh, you know, a couple of different engines for about three years and then took another test. And that's when I got promoted to the rank of captain and they brought me back in to run the division. So that's kind of my, my fire journey. And, um, you know, like in two weeks I go and I, I'll give my last cadet training which is kind of a full circle there's a cadet class that's about to graduate so i'll go and teach some cadets you know the the spiel that got me hooked in the first place that's exciting congratulations on such a, a uh, lustrous career and thank you for your service to the community i mean you with you at the helm man you, you've you did a really you did the service of New, uh, albuquerque right is that where you're based out of Right, yeah, Albuquerque. Yep. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I, I love I love, really like Albuquerque. I used to live in Phoenix for from like two thousand three to two thousand nine. I pretty much left when the bubble burst down there and everything dried up. Oh. You, you you know how that went. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's it's. I always really liked Albuquerque. It was always blossoming. It was always set up on a grid like uh, system. You kind of knew what areas you needed to avoid. But overall, though, it's like it's just absolutely gorgeous. Like there was a couple years ago, uh, 2017, my wife and I, we went out to Arizona to a friend of ours wedding. And then went on our way back through, we came through Albuquerque, we went, up, went north through Santa Fe, 
And then we ran into this small, small town to kind of make, I guess, just kind of dance our way across back to the Midwest there in Wisconsin and such. And we cut off over by, um, oh, where is it? Uh, Taos, and Angel Fire up in that way yep. over there. Man, there's a lot of mule deer. There's a lot of mule deer up in that area. Oh, man, that's that's God's country. That's pretty country over there. Oh, it absolutely was. The worst part was we were driving through it at night, so we really couldn't uh, appreciate the real beauty. But we, we got – we stayed uh, – I don't remember what what uh, uh, town we stayed in, but we ended up um, – we were coming out of this one town. I think it was Taos. And we came across uh, probably, probably 25, 30 head of – of mule deer, just absolutely gorgeous. But I, I saw this big old tank of one, and I had a, I turned the car, turned the brights on him, took a picture of it, just because he was the old. He was just a massive old buck. He was probably a five by five or six by six, just 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 huge, uh, typical. I mean, his body was at least three hundred pounds. He's a big boy. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Oh man, when I saw that, I was like, this is this is remarkable. I still have the picture. I'll have to send it to you. But when you see him, it's like you can understand why I, I pitched the car that direction. And, and once we got past them, it's like then we made it to the next town. We we found a place that was still actually open. This is mind you, this is on Thanksgiving, driving through the middle of the desert and it's like trying to find a place oh. to sleep. It, it was needle in a haystack. But we found this nice Airbnb, no bed and breakfast, and we spent the night there and kind of trounced off from there made her slowly made her way back up there and it's like i just new mexico and northern arizona are my two favorite places to travel around and it's like it's just really good place to get lost just because it's so pretty yeah we we have wonderful country every every piece of our state has something pretty to offer oh yeah especially like up by shiprock and gallup and all that area. Santa Fe is probably one of my favorite areas to be at just because of how the town sets inside all of the, how oh, the peaks, and the valleys, and it's just, it's just unique in how it's all, it's, it's just how it lays inside there and how the, the, the city planners figured out how to put everything into, into place to make it functional. Yeah, they did well. They did well. So I, so what are some of your, what, what got you, what, what moved you from muzzleloader into archery? Okay. So my, uh, my uncle, Mike, his name is Mike Kleppel and he, uh, was kind of my outdoor, you know, uh, teacher, if you will. He mm-hmm. taught me how to fly fish, taught me how to tie flies. And, uh, one year he taught me, he said, okay, Hey, I'm going bow hunting. You want to go with me? I'm like, yeah, I, sure. I don't have a bow. He's like, and then my dad heard and he's like, well, you can use my old bow. So my my dad had a bow from back in the day. And so my uncle said, oh, that's perfect. So I, I picked up my dad's bow and started shooting it. And um, knowing now what I know, it didn't fit me. It uh, so many different things wrong, but I was able to pull it back and fling arrows. And uh, that, that's really what it was. My uncle had a tag up in northern New Mexico. And he invited me along, and he said, "Bring your bow. You can shoot grouse." And uh, had a grouse. I bought, you know, just a, a small game tag, and he had an elk tag, and that was it, man. That's how I got started with the with the bow hunting, and I did that a couple of times with him, and kind of gave that a break and went back to muzzleloader hunting. But when I got into the fire department, uh, a friend of a friend was. Uh, we have the military base in Albuquerque. And so a friend of a friend was 
getting uh, stationed somewhere else, and he didn't want to take his bow. So I bought a bow from him, and ever since then, I've been bow hunting, you know, probably the the majority of my hunts. Well, probably maybe 60, 40. And, uh, and it's been, uh, it's been quite the journey. Um, you know, the funny story with the bow is it was a Bowtech tribute. I want to say it was an 05 or an 06. And I had that bow up until a year and a half ago. And that's when Doug and I were going to launch the bow hitch. And him and I had a show coming up and his bow was just about as old as mine, maybe a little bit newer, but his was an older bow as well. And both of us kind of chuckled at each other and we're like, dude, we better buy some new bows because if we show up to these shoots, we're going to have zero street cred. Like <laughs> people are going to laugh at us with our old ancient bows. So we, uh, we both use that as a, use that as an excuse to upgrade our bows. So he, uh, he bought himself a nice, uh, Hoyt and I got me a nice PSE, um, Mach 1, uh, carbon bow. So. We, we both look quasi-official now. <laughs> That's awesome. See, where I live, I live I live like 15 minutes from Matthews, the headquarters and all that fun stuff. So around oh, here, right. yep. PSC is is, not, is a brand that we I can't get my fingers on or get my hands on. Same with Darton, Expedition is another hard one too. To, to get, I have to travel like over 100 miles to be at a shop that actually carries these bows. And it's like, wow. I, I don't, yeah, because we'll, Primarily, the market is dominated by Matthews, Hoyt, and Bowtech. So when it comes down to shopping for bows, those are pretty much my only choice. But I, my first my first bow I ever owned was a Hoyt, and I sold that because it, I, I was having issues with my uh, my uh, left elbow, and I'm a, I'm a right-hander. So it's like I just it would, it, doing repetitive motions in factory work for too many too many too many years. It just kind of ended up doing some damage to it. I ended up getting uh, going through acupuncture and fixing the golfer's elbow. It was just a pinched nerve, and it fixed it because I, I sold that, bought it at myself in a, an elite, and I bought that one brand new in 2017. Now I just picked up a new Expedition. It's a longer 34 axle axle. It's a DXL, okay. a DLX. It's right. their 2020 version, and it just, it's got a nice draw. It's got a good sponge to it. Really like the valley behind it, and it's and, uh, since I bought it brand new. Well, it's brand new to me it's brand new never know i'm the only owner and uh it still comes with a limited lifetime warranty they're the i believe they're the only manufacturers out that actually do that for their bows elites hoyts matthews you bought about maybe 12 months and that's about it and then everything else under that is on is on you Dude, that's the way to do it i i i very much appreciate anybody who's willing to stand by their product like that that blows me away that uh a lot of people aren't willing to do that, knowing that some people are, you know, just, I don't know, it speaks volumes to me. Yeah, it's really, it's quite remarkable. And I really, really enjoy it. It shoots very nice. It's little, it gets heavy though. It's like, I've, I, after I load it all out with everything on it, with the stabilizer and the, the arrows I'm shooting with it and the quiver, it will bring, it weighs so just about 11 pounds. So she, she's, she's a little heavy. But I specifically bought it because I, yep. I specifically bought it for going out west and going out hunting. But I also like I like the forgiveness of the longer axle to axle, especially when I'm shooting further. Because the one I'm shooting right now is a 65 pound 31 axle axle. So 
I, I do really don't like to stretch it out past 60 with the 34 axle axle. And this one comes in at 70 pounds. I don't, I don't have any issue going out to hundred yards. Cause it's like, I know that it's going to have that, uh, a give to it. And if you have a chance to shoot an expedition, it's, they're great. Um, Kurt Heddington, he's the uh, CEO. He bought the company here a few years ago. He was based in Yankton, South Dakota, that he moved to Decorah, Iowa, which is like, I don't know, hour and a half from me now. So I literally have headquarters. Like I live in the bow hunting Mecca. So if you ever have a chance to come up here, it's like, I'll, I'll, I'll get you in touch with these guys and, and we can take tours that are, uh, they're, they're, um, shops and such because in this area we have tactic cam we have nose jammer uh we have uh predator camo there's there's a bunch of different things that are based here in the minnesota iowa and uh, wisconsin region here and we've got hha uh, uh sports of wisconsin rapids and everybody knows who they are man that's that's a lot of the industry is out there it is it is and it's like that's why i'm looking forward to this season because since you're, you're on that West Coast, there's not a whole lot of us out here that know about it. So, and uh, HHA USA is going to be, they have six events this year. And the first one is cut starting this weekend. And then it's like, then it runs throughout the entire summer. He, he trimmed it down from eight to six. And so it's, I'd be able to make it to every single one. Even Tim Silva, the UFC fighter, he shot at one last year. I was going to have a chance to interview him and meet him, but. I, Family things, family obligations came up spontaneously, so those took priority, and which was uh, understood. Yeah, that happened. That happened. Oh yes. No, oh, that yes. sounds great. We're 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 excited to expand eastward, and uh, we have something new coming out with the Bowitch that I think is going to be incredible for our our eastern, uh, you know, saddle hunters and tree stand hunters, uh, which is something that we never actually had envisioned when we started with the bow hits just because we're some local, you know, Western hunters. But when we went to the ATA this year, we, we figured out a way on how to incorporate the bow hits into this different style of hunting and a, be a game changer for a lot of guys back East. Man, that'd be exciting to, to, to find out what you guys have rolling out with that. Kind of like what, uh, what uh, Paul's been doing with advancing outdoor, AOT. I mean, he's just grinding out stuff. Like his actually, some of his um, mounts that he has for the, the stabilizers, the back bars, whatever they use for the, 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 uh, the release holsters or whatever you want to refer to them, is actually right. manufactured in Wisconsin. Oh, man. That's neat. Yeah, it is pretty neat. What he was explaining to me is like way he creates the stuff and like to, to for the ones that are mass producer like like, like I think it's the the Wiseman uh, uh, mount that he has because it's like it's designed to fit three different uh, releases. So since it did that, he actually uh -huh. spent the twenty grand and bought a ejection mold, and that's where that's where the price drops. So now it's like he's actually able to make profit off of that one particular item. It's just coming up with the money to buy the mold and figure out which product we'll be able to go to the next level because oh, yeah. the releases change so much. Oh man. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough industry, man. I kudos to him. I, yeah. I, I uh, spoke to him once super nice guy. So I wish him nothing but the best. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He, uh, he's, he's got the right mindset. It's like, uh, I was telling him, I have a, a friend of the podcast is Shea Butler and his story is he's a knife maker, he makes high end knives, from 150 all the way up to 600 bucks and his knives got out to the bow rack there in Oregon 
and all of a sudden uh, Cam Haynes got a knife, Remy Warren's got a knife, and then of course then Cam uh, Haynes shows Joe Rogan, and all of a sudden the Joe Rogan effect literally happens, and now it's like he was able to quit his full time job to do this full time. Wow, dude, you know what's crazy? Um, I shipped to the bow rack last week. Our first oh. order of bow hitches. That's in, that's exciting because it's like if if Cam Haynes gets and he likes her, just having a picture with it on his bow, it's just gonna it's gonna have the the after. It's gonna be, it's just gonna be a nice little explosion for you. It was yeah, it's uh, it's pretty awesome. We were down in San Antonio for the tack last week. And uh, we got into some of the real big stores down there, and um, I know uh, I know Joe Rogan's home uh, pro shop. We got in, so uh, we got into four really big archery shops in in Texas. So I think uh, we'll, we'll be expanding here pretty quick. That is exciting. I was telling some of the guys, some of the local shops here in the area about uh, Paul's work, and so now when I go in and shoot. Uh, here when I get the bow hitch, I'm going to be taking pictures, tagging them on it. Hopefully the owners there will be reaching out to you. So we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when it happens. So when you, when yeah. the, the bow hitch came to your, came to mind, what, like, what was your inspiration to create it the way you have? Oh man, you know, uh, it's, it's, so it's myself and my partner, his name is Doug and Doug and I went on a, on a late season elk hunt and, excuse me i had never hunted with doug before but we started working together uh at the in the department at the fire department and we talked about this hunt and it's a real difficult hunt it's december archery elk hunt and it has to have six points on one side or better in order to be harvested and so it's they you could in the past it was just over the counter so if you hadn't hunted elk and you hadn't hunted anything else you can get this tag over the counter so all right. Him and I went on this hunt together, and he had a contraption built that was not like the bow hitch, but the concept was kind of there to where it just got my wheels turning. And uh, long story short, him and I talked about it for a couple of years, and uh, and after a while, we decided, hey, we need to make a go at, at doing something like this. And, and our first one, uh, the first bow hitch design that it kind of resembles right now was actually just drawn on a napkin in my house and then after a few beers i went into the garage with an angle grinder the steel and i literally used an angle grinder to cut out the first one that's pretty uh, impressive I, I like the inspiration man yeah that was it i mean i needed to uh to find the balance point uh you know where the the bow is going to be held, you know, nice and nice and balanced. So we got the angle to to reach to the D loop. And mind you, my first rendition did not do this, but um, I I used my first rendition on an elk hunt that I had, and it worked great. And it kind of blew me away that it actually was going to work. And so from there, we started doing some little tweaks to it. And uh, I have a cousin who's a computer computer programmer and just computer genius and he 3d printed one for first he drew the cat at his house for me and then he 3d printed one and then we kind of mocked it up on my bow and then made some changes from there to see what it needed and we're we're 
very few changes away from that first rendition, which is probably about two years old right now. And it's just such a well, like that we're not engineers by any means, but like just the way I like to put it is we're firemen. Like if there's a job that has to get done, we'll do it. It might not be pretty. There might be a better, more efficient way or whatever, but the job is going to get done and it's going to get done like right there, you know, Mm-hmm. And that's when you need the job done, we're going to get it done. So that's kind of the way I, I like to see the bow hitches. Like, okay, there's a job to do, and this does it. You know, there's, cause that's it. It's, you know, it's, it's a simple solution to a problem that every archer has that has ever had to transfer their bow from point A to point B. It's, it's beautiful. So that, uh, you have a patent pending or patented yet? Yes, well, we had patent pending. We filed our official patent, um, and that's been in for, shoot, I don't know, we're, we're probably three-quarters of a year into the process of waiting for the full patent. Uh, we do have the bow hitch trademark. Uh, we got that in a few months ago, so that's awesome. But, um, man, it's, it's, it's exciting thinking about it from scratch. That is that is a, the best feature. It's like it's showing people that you guys can. You just saw a niche and you saw a need for it, and you didn't went from it. And plus, it's like it's a great teaching experience for your kids because now it's like they they've seen what you can do if you put your mind to it. And that's just kind of like why I bring on folks like you because you're just doers. You figure it out and you go from there, and that's the best way to do it. Like I was talking this weekend about. Um, manufacturers and how like the vehicles have gone to shit because there's no longer any mechanics that are engineers. Now it's all engineers that are not mechanics. So we see a lot of, we've seen a downward trend, especially like if you buy a Fiat product and stuff like that, anything, anything in their line, it just seems to go to shit. And when you buy like a Lexus or a Toyota or a Ford or something like that, there's, there's customer service, there's engineering behind it, there's mechanics. And so it's like, actually it's designed to like outlast. It's just electronics is, is the only thing that just changes so rapidly, so quickly. Yeah, dude, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm tracking a hundred percent. Yep. I agree. Yeah. And it's like, when you, we said you get a Lexus, like that's awesome. It's like, you're, you're, you're buying an upgraded Toyota, which already has the foundation of, of solid engineering behind it. And there's, there's several Toyota vehicles out there that have half million, a million miles and stuff. That's why when you like, when you want to buy a Toyota Tacoma, you can't find a, truck that's under a hundred thousand miles less than 40k just because of their well-built uh design and development but it does not perform the ford just because the ford has really good customer service so it kind of is a nice trade-off between the two of them yep 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 i'm i'm driving mama's new car home right now and it's a (laughs) this thing is a tank dude i love it already i'm glad 50 miles on love it so and you, you, does your view, did you we were talking about this here the last couple of days so did you end up getting a with the one of the features like remote start and all that fun stuff it uh you know honestly i haven't even played with it uh our our flight took off late because the, the plane was having computer issues so then we arrived late and then when the guy picked us up and took us to meet the owner he was late and then when we finally got into the bank and were ready to transfer the money, he realized he forgot the title. So we had to drive in alley traffic and rush hour. You know, it took us about 40 minutes to get 
towards his house. Luckily, his wife met us halfway, and so any I I don't even know if it has that or not. It has push button. I know that, but whether it's a remote start or not, I'm not there yet. Oh, uh, it, it is it is a nice thing to have is that remote start. Like, uh, even if you don't have it, they're not that expensive to install, and they're well worth the money. Your first year of either doing it, well, you're, we're coming into in the hot season down there. You guys have probably already hit triple digits, so. Yeah, your first summer will pay that that installation of the remote start will pay for itself. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll look into it for Mama for sure. <laughs> oh yes. You know that's why I, when we bought our our Lincoln last year, we weren't we weren't looking for a Lincoln. It just kind of fell right into our lap. It, it fit our budget. It was decent miles. We had seventy five thousand miles on it, but it's not a daily driver. We have a, we have a car that we do for a daily driver, but it just kind of hit everything. We it hit all the 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 boxes that we needed. It got good engine good uh good amount of horsepower with it good gas mileage with it so it it, it had a bunch of fun bells and whistles well like the cooled seats heated seats man it's it's nice yeah those are beautiful cars that they are man they they are especially the back seat too they're heated seats so it's that's a plus so this way anybody any guests anybody's a pastures they can like hey you're cold turn the heated seats on there you go so with your uh with your with the with the success of the bow hitch man, so where have where have you sold to so far? Where where has your your spiderweb reached out to yet? Man, you know what? We started out so small. I'll a little story about our first sale. I really like selling. Um, so the bow hitch, like the concept of it, is is cool. Once you see it, you're like, man, that's pretty neat. Um, however, explaining explaining it to somebody. I just don't ever feel like I do it justice. So, okay. Anyway, Doug and I get an Instagram page and we're trying to figure it out. And I hate Instagram or hated in past tense with a passion because my wife would be on it and she'd look at it and she'd, you know, comment on things and post the things or whatever she was doing. And I was like, babe, I just do not understand it. Like, who cares, you know, like what somebody else did or whatever. And I didn't understand it, you know, on a personal level. And um, fair enough, me and Doug get get a a bow hitch page. And we go to our first event was a 3D shoot called the Bow Up 3D Shoot in Farmington, New Mexico. Okay. And uh, we get there. And at the time, we had like 230 followers, I think. And um, our little buddy, we met a little dude over there. His name is Diego Otero. And he uh, is the owner of a a hunt a clothing line basically called Main Beam Addiction, and um, and he's just a young hustler and he's getting after it and he's selling shirts and hats and encouraging youth in the outdoors and stuff. So we uh, we we really got along well and we we uh, you know became buddies real quick. And uh, anyway, at that 3D shoot, he was about to hit his 2,000th follower. And we were laughing because we were at like 230 followers. Okay. And we thought, you know, 2000 was just so far away. And so at that shoot, we had a table. We had ordered. So that's all we had. We had a table and a tablecloth. We had ordered this big, beautiful canopy with flags and, you know, covered tablecloths with our logo and printed on it and stuff. And... We told the lady, hey, we have a show on this day. Like, we need to get it. And so she said, no problem. I'll have it to you for sure by then. 
And so he was supposed to come in on Wednesday, and we were leaving Albuquerque on Thursday. Okay. And the stinking train that it was on got derailed. Oh, so, my word. So, yeah, so it was, uh, So we, needless to say, we did not get our, our wicked, you know, equipment for the show. So we're begging the lady at Walgreens at 11 o'clock at night to print us out a, a small bow hitch banner. You know, so she ended up printing us out like a little three foot poster, if you will, of the Bowhead logo and like a non high res finish. And we taped it against the wall and we had a table with a black tablecloth from Walmart okay. that we had just bought. And uh, oh man, we just looked so pathetic. And uh, anyway, we had never sold a Bowhead. And Brandon Waddell from uh, Mountain Archery Fest. I recognize him from, uh, you know, just from the Mountain Archery Fest page. He has a real good page. And Brandon came up and he goes, hey, guys, how you doing? I said, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Nice to meet you. And he's like, are you are you guys selling the shit out of these things? And I started laughing. And I was like, dude, I've never been sold one. And so he, he started laughing with me. And he's like, there's no way. And I said, man, we're brand new. We This is going to, you know, we this is our first event ever trying to sell one and uh so he bought our first one and that's where our spider web started so brandon bought our first one and from there we've just been branching now we've been to mountain archery fest uh several times we've been to total archery challenge a couple times and this year we have a heck of a year ahead of us so our spider web is you know from here to ship to australia i mentioned the bow rack when lisa called me she said that she had requests coming from Germany. Um, she had some clients in Germany that were requesting the bow hitch. Um, I've shipped to Canada. Um, I mean, we're Iowa, or not Iowa, uh, Illinois. We have some in a store in Illinois, California, Arizona, Texas now, and Utah is coming. So it's uh, the spider web is, is growing daily. That's awesome. Actually, the funny thing is, too, there's a one of the guys I'm meeting this weekend. His name's Jeremy Fisher. Now he runs the Toxin app, and he's ba- he has his own uh, shop up in uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, stuff like that. And he's and he's going to be on my. Po- we're probably going to record a podcast when we, when I go to these HHA events or any event I go to. I always bring my podcasting queer my uh, uh, gear just because it's designed to be uh, mobile. I have four mics, so I can have three guests at one time, and and uh, I will definitely be bringing this up to him. And he he's got an app called the Toxin app, and what it's designed to do is he wants to get people that like have their shops on there, advertisement, of course. But it's like he's got a, a nice page where you can do specs, schematics, stuff like that, putting putting in uh, data points for your bow, what you expected uh, um, FPS is and such. And uh, his whole thing is is like he wants to for people to when they're bored on a weekend. They're, they're, and they want to know what events are going on. They can open up the app and log in and they can find out what events are going on and they can just go and shoot. And his idea is just so simplistic and beautiful that I feel that it, it has a potential of going international just because it's like he programmed it to work on both uh, iPhone and Apple or iPhone and Android, which is perfect. And then 
be able to get all these people. And right now he's, he's, he's got the big support from HHA and a few other folks that are helping him uh, go out from there. But it's like, he, he just, he just wants to continue meeting hands, shaking people's hands and going from there. I mean, I've done a couple of videos. Ben, Ben's done a couple of videos for him too, as well, showing people different features of what the app can do in the infancy stage. So hopefully I, I, he'll like your, your bow hitch and, and hopefully you'll make an order. Be the first one in Wisconsin, you know? Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, it's it's exciting, man. Just uh, you know, what like I said, once people see the bow hitch, it just makes so much sense. And the the ease of use, how simple it is. There's no moving parts. There's nothing to break. There's nothing to make a sound. It weighs three ounces. Like it's it's like a doorstop. It just works. You know, it's it's uh. So I I think I'm excited for the new you know, stores to, to see us and to, to get us in their shops. Oh yeah. That's the best part about it. And, and like, uh, what I do is like, I try to tag when I do a post, I try to tag as many paint or what, what I have brand guests like yourself that are, that have a really cool and innovative idea. That's like completely original. I just, when I make a post, I just tag all those podcasts on there. Hopefully they'll look at it and then they'll, reach out to me or reach out to you directly and have you on their podcast. Cause I work in a group, a network of uh, people that have like, I think there's like, I think there's like 30, 35 different podcasts we have in one group. And we're, we're all we do is collaborate. We talk about equipment we talk about uh, what we do, how, how we brand ourselves, what we're doing to, to push our, our name out there. If we're doing products, we're talking about drop, like all that fun stuff out there. But biggest thing is we talk about guests and who we recommend for uh, to have on and would make a, a good guest to have on it. Cause we all have been around folks that are diff- that get nervous when the first time they're in front of a microphone. And how many podcasts have you been on so far? I've done a few, not many. Um, I've done Second Chance Outdoors. Mm-hmm. I've done uh, Days in the Wild with John Stallone. Um, I have done uh, Western Contours with Guy. And I want to say that may be it. Nice. So, so no, uh, Red Beard Outdoors with Jonathan. I did Red Beard Outdoors also, and I think that's that's my uh, that's my highlight reel for that's podcast pretty, so far. And I, now you got me on your on your uh, bucket or on your on your uh, resume now, so it's even better. It's 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 it, but you, it's it getting all this positive attention is just the way to be. And I tell everybody, it's like we're not in, when it comes into podcasting. We're not in competition with each other. It's like it's all about collaboration and working together and just kind of growing with each other because there's there's millions of people out there. So it's like I'm not we're not like we're fighting over a small demographic on CBS or PBS or NBC or something like that. Yeah, you know what, man? Let me throw a little shout out to uh, that. That's the way I was welcomed in um, from the other the other guys that uh, my first show attacked. So my my first two shows that we did. With Mountain Archery Fest, we were the only kind of bow carrying system around. Okay. And and so it was easy for us to sell the bowits because there was nothing else there for no other slings, no other whatever. Well, when I went to our first tack last year in uh, Utah, there was three other systems there. Okay. And there was the Montana bow slings. Uh, there was... Uh, and he had his uh, slingling over there. So I, we showed I, up I, and we're like, "You you cut out right when you were talking about that second product." Okay, there was a bow swing, Montana bow. Mm-hmm. There's a 
bow, uh, the bow spider. Bow spider. Yeah, there we go. And then Jack sling, uh, Jack gear makes the, it's called the slingling. All right. And, and it's basically just a sling for your rifle that, I mean, for your, for your bow. Um, so cool products. The, the thing is that, that they are all cool products and they are all, you know, serve a purpose. But what I'm trying to get at is that all of them were so welcoming to me, just like you're mentioning your podcast, you know, group. All of them were, hey, man, cool product, you know, good luck. If we could ever do anything for you or help you, you know, like it was just the, the coolest thing to be welcomed instead of, you know, kind of shun the new guy and, you know, trying to knock you down to, you know, there was absolutely none of that. So I've absolutely been 100%, you know, like gratitude and grateful for those guys that have, you know, are a few years ahead of me. Jack Gear is probably, I don't know, six, seven years ahead, and both fighters three or four years ahead, and both of them really, you know, they both gave me their numbers and said, call me, you ever have questions, you need help with anything, and I've called on both of them, and both of them to this day still will answer my call and, and, and help however they can, because it was much like you just said, you know, we're, we're all part of a team, you know, there's millions of people out there to service, and it's not a one size fits all type of type of deal. And um we were standing there talking and I was talking to David and he told me, he's like, you know what, man? He's like, there's we're we're not anybody's competition. You know, just do your best and I'll do my best. And he said, and look around you, look how many people are walking around here still carrying their bow. We're the we're the biggest force, you know, bow carrying deals that are out. And mm-hmm. there's still people that don't want to use us. So don't worry about it. Like, just come in and do your best, and, and it's all good. And so, like, that that welcome into the industry, you know, for somebody from the outside that's a fireman that has no sales experience, that was, you know, I was very nervous. And uh, I wouldn't say nervous. I was, um, I don't even know what the right word was. I wasn't, I wasn't nervous. I was just unsure of how we were going to be received and how it was going to work. Okay. And so to have that come really, really changed my attitude towards it to where I'm not anybody's competition. You know, I just want to do my best and offer my product, which, which I think is, you know, a great product. And, you know, and speaking of the other people's stuff, ours can work in conjunction with any other bow system, bow carrying system that's out there. You know, if you want to sling your bow and put it over your shoulder and walk in in the dark, that's great. You can still use that sling and and run a bow hitch when it's time to actually hunt. So, I mean, it, it, we're, we're not competition, I guess. I, I'm never going to knock any of them. Ours is different. I like mine the most, but that doesn't mean to, to put down anybody else's in any way, shape, or form. That is that is a great beautiful philosophy right there. I actually uh, when I was at the Iowa Deer Classic, I got to run into Dave and Crystal there from the Bow Spider, and I talked to those guys and and they're awesome human beings, just fantastic. And uh, my wife and I picked up a system for them for my my expedition. She got one for her elite, but it's like I like your product, and Ben just rants and raves about you. 
And so it's like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to grab, I have another bow. So it's like, well, why not run both systems? You know, cause I have, I, I, I hunt two different means. It's like, if I hunt up in a tree stand, I'm going to grab my elite. If I'm setting down in my blind, I'm going to grab my expedition. Cause it's like, I can be a little more clumsy with it. I don't, I don't have to have, be a so, uh, so much of a ninja where, where, where when I'm up in a, in a whether it be a, a saddle or be in a, uh, right. Or, yeah, or tree stand. Yeah, here in Wisconsin, it's like we don't we don't have the luxury of being able to have all the the the, the beautiful public lands that you guys have out there. So it's a we were pretty much stuck to a tree. Right. Yeah. Yeah, dude, you're gonna love our new sling that we're coming out with, and I can, if you want, I can tell you about it because it's only a few weeks away. Yeah, if you want to make a, a product announcement, because then um, I will figure out I'll, I'll talk to you when this pod when when i will release this episode because i have i have a hopper full of episodes right now but with the whole season coming up and we're already in may so i have to be a little more strategic in how i handle both uh, uh dave's podcast and your podcast because i want them to be ahead of the hunting schedule but also take advantage of the current market of 3d archery because it's the beginning of it because the r100's got so many events this year oh dude yeah it's it's so busy. There's so many shoots going on everywhere. I wish we could go to more, but it's it's just too much time. Oh, completely. And when you when you have two kids and a wife, it's like you you have to pick your battles. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I'm doing. Sweet. So, do you want to do you want to tell me about your your upcoming announcement that you want to uh, discuss? Yeah. So, yeah, a new a new product that we. We adapted, I would say we didn't create, but we adapted your standard AR-15 rifle sling, a single point sling. Okay. That, okay, so you just picture that and you have your rifle buckled into your, you know, your AR buckled in and it's mm-hmm. hanging over on your left side. Okay, well, what we did is we have one that we got made for us that has the rifle sling, um, the, the rifle, the metal adapter, the clip that attaches to your rifle. Okay. And we also had them sew an attachment point for us that is our bow hitch webbing, and it's going to run directly to your bow hitch. So if you want to run your rifle, you run the rifle thing. If you want to run the bow hitch, you unsnap it. It's a simple buckle system. You unsnap it and then snap in the bow hitch sling, and then you're able to run the bow hitch in your backyard at a 3D shoot out of a saddle, out of a tree, however you want to, without a backpack, without a vinyl harness, without anything else, and you still have your bow at your shooting side without anything else in the way. Oh, that's so, beautiful. I mean, it's, it's silent, it's efficient, it's comfortable. Um, and I mean, just picture being in your tree or in the saddle and never reaching again for your bow. It's always right there in your shooting hand. That's pretty cool. I've been struggling about buying a, a either a one point or two point system on my AR platform. So it's like now since I know you're coming out with one, it's like well I'll just wait because it's like I haven't I haven't purchased one for. I don't have a sling for. It. I just kind of I don't I don't t- I haven't taken a hunting with me yet uh, uh, for this. I'm probably going to do it this upcoming season. I'm saving up to buy a uh, one of those nice ATN scopes where they can do the 4K video recording and all that fun stuff. So this way that I can just oh, kind of nice. add more add more uh, content to my my YouTube page because. I'm I'm still I've only started a YouTube page here. Oh, January I think it was end of January, and I've been running my podcast for four years now. So it's one of those things where 
it's, it's just one of those things I need to get it done. And it's like, well, I haven't bought one for because it's like there's so many. I'm overwhelmed. Like, I just don't know what works for me. And, well, I can't carry – I can't take my AR into just any place. It's just like, hey, go, can I try your sling, please? Because I don't know if it's going to work. I want to right. know if it's comfortable because it's a 16-inch barrel, so it's it's got some length to it. It's a little girthy. Yeah, dude, this one has a little bit of a bungee in it. It's comfortable, and it's very adjustable, so – I'm excited for you to try it out. Dude, man, the cool thing is, too, like I was looking on Lancaster Archery, that they actually make cases where you can actually put your your a firearm and a bow in the same case. The only downside is like 500 bucks. But it's like with with this right here, it's like you, you can literally have one system for both your, your, for your, your firearm and for your bow, and you'd be ready to rock and roll. So it's like if you're going to a Texas hunt, that's the case to take, and that's the setup you want to bring. That's it, dude. That's a, it's it's gonna be wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. That, that is pretty cool. I like I, my my uh, um my 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 gun case is designed to hold two guns because while well, you just you just don't have just one AR, you, you eventually get more than one, and so it's like well, well now it's like I'll be able to run the setup on both uh, when I when I build my second uh, AR platform. There you go. Yeah, right. See, this is exciting, man. I'm happy for you. You can tell my my voice. I'm quite uh, ecstatic for you because this is this like I like hearing people making moves and moving them to the next place. And you're, you're retiring. You're you're driving back to New Mexico in this beautiful Lexus car with your wife. It's like, what more can you ask for? It's like life is good. Yeah, dude. I'm very blessed. Very grateful. Yeah, and, and like this upcoming weekend on uh, May. 13th here ben's gonna come over and we're i'm cooking a big old slew of food i got i got preparing ribs and and chicken and venison so i'm smoking it all up i got some, i've been looking at some different uh, uh recipes with you using mesquite wood or using pecan wood so i'm like i'm just geared up for this upcoming uh this upcoming weekend for everything love it man hope you guys have a blast i'm sure you will oh Sounds yeah like it. Yeah, it's it's a nice thing is it's like Thursday is supposed to be ninety degrees and then it's gonna cool right down. It's like we got a little, we got some rain coming through and so we're it's supposed to get back down into this mid sixties or low seventies. So it's gonna be just a, a beautiful weekend. It's going to be a great weekend for the um, uh, for the honor flight for the chapter in lacrosse county then on top of that too they're going to be debuting a new video regarding um, a retired police officer his name's chad give me just a moment here what's his last name i was talking to chris ham today oh chad stillman he retired but they did a video on his his uh what what all went transpired what all what happened and why he retired and his ptsd because he was on uh chris ham's podcast and chris has been really focusing on the military aspect of the world collecting stories and such and he brings on uh, police officers and firefighters so it'd be it'd be fantastic to maybe if i talk to him about your your testimonial he'll, he'll reach out to you because he's 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 the one that gave me the the word about spider webs because we're just like ever since i met him my spider webs just been growing and growing and growing it just it's been beautiful wonder dude i love it man anyway we can help also so if you ever run into somebody and you're like hey this is up armando valley like we're we're all about that i don't know if ben told you about our our random acts of kindness giveaway no and, he has i don't want to go on another another tangent but uh last in January, 
we do uh, random acts of kindness. So, you know, at the beginning of the year, it's like, hey, everybody's setting their, you know, their, um, whatever, their New Year's resolutions, or, you know, what have you. Yeah. And so my goal was to, for the month of January, was to do a random act of kindness for somebody. Okay. Um, so my brother, my brother gave me a spotting scope last year, and he said, here, bro, you can do whatever you want to with this. This is a, a brand new uh, Vortex HD 20 by 60, I want to say, by 85 spotting scope. And he said, I want, to, I want you to use this for your business. You can sell it, use the money, you can give it away, you can donate it, you can do whatever, but it's, it's, it's just something to help you out. So I saved it for about two months and I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give it away, but we're going to use this as a, as a catalyst for a random act of kindness, that, which is what my gave to me. And so for the month of January, all that our followers had to do is do something kind for somebody and then leave it in our comments. And you were entered in to win this spotting scope. Well, people started hearing about it, and we ended up with 27 total prizes to give away. So I was donated a bow, a brand new bow from the local archery shop, Intermiss. I was given, um, I mean, tons of broadheads, hats, shirts. The Elk Bros gave me five memberships to the online Elk Academy. Um, Mountain Archery Fest gave me passes. I mean, it was incredible, dude. I gave away so much stuff, and people were just piling in with the kind things that they did, you know, for 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 somebody else at a random time. And Man. so mm-hmm. that's kind of a long story to to say. If you ever run across something like that, I'm happy to help however I can. Oh, that's, that's beautiful, man. That's an awesome thing to do. My wife and I do all those random things too. Like uh, a couple of years ago, we were sat down and we were eating dinner at a, our, our not, one of our nicer restaurants here in town. And I struck up a conversation because we were talking, my wife and I were talking about military because my company I work for, we do a lot of work with the military. We like, we start with a, a, a service member's career from start to finish. We work with MEPCOM, we work with um, reserves, and we also work with retirement benefits for, for the military uh, VBA benefits and stuff. And one of the gals, we overheard her talking and we just kind of, I stroke up a conversation. We found out that she is a chaplain that was in from North Carolina and she was coming in to do a speech on uh, suicide and such. And so we heard this, we, we went and my wife's like, she goes like, should we go pay for her bills? And it's like, sure, we can do that. And like, I don't care. So we, we paid for her and uh, her friend. I'm not, I don't know. I don't remember what their relationship was. And we paid for the bill. The thing was, it's like it was supposed to be a random act of kindness, and the waiter just like, "Oh, they paid for it." Oh, so, yeah. Uh, so we, we whenever we see veterans hats or something like that, we tend to just take care of it. We've done it going out for breakfast. There's a, we have a couple of hole in the wall restaurants here in La Crosse or or in Rochester, Minnesota. And if we see a veteran just chilling by himself and there's nobody else with them, it's like we'll tell the the the, uh, the waiter just to put their tab on on ours and just take care of it because it's like they served our country and we're, we we want to do what we can for them because. I have military family members. My wife has military family members. I still have some that are active duty, some that are cycling out. So a lot of them are cycling out because of the whole pandemic and, and being forced this poison stuff like that. So they're, they're trying to get out of that before they they lose their benefits or stuff like that. Yeah, dude, I, I love, I love it. I love it. Um, 
I'm working with, and if you have never spoken with the guys from Second Chance Outdoors, incredible, Nate and oh, dude, they're they're just great, great, great dudes. And so them and I are I are teaming up, and we're actually going to be donating a fully guided elk hunt um, to somebody that they find for us um, to to take out a first responder, a veteran, somebody who they who they find and and know that can benefit from the therapies of hunting you know mm-hmm. um so yeah a friend of ours high ridge outdoors uh our high ridge outfitters i'm sorry chris and him and i are going to be donating the hunt and the guided portion and the mills and everything and uh second chance is going to bring us uh, uh somebody that's worthy of, of the hunt so we're looking forward to that that is exciting. I got in touch with um, Operation Reboot, and they're, these guys are based up in the deep, deep depths of Maine up there, and where they do uh, fly fishing, ice fishing, whitetail, and brown bear. Uh, moose hunting is a little, little, little bit more difficult to try to, to donate as a hunt, but they do all that. I, I had one of my guests on my podcast. His name was um, Kenny. Oh, what's your last name, Kenny? I can't remember off the top of my head, but. Uh, uh, he found me on Facebook and we reached out. We had a nice conversation and the title of the episode is the broken fix the broken. And he was ex-military stationed up there in uh, uh, Alaska. And he had some bad things happen to his legs and stuff like that. And where he had to go down to Mexico and get him cut off, get him, get him uh, cleaned up and stuff like that. And you actually go above the knee amputations and below the knee and, Somehow, Randy Couture, the world, the world famous Randy Couture, heard about his story yeah. and covered a, a large chunk of his uh, his bills and uh, really helped him out. And he got in touch when he he was found by Operation Reboot because he was depressed. He was living at home, wasn't really doing anything, and and he just kind of gravit they gravitated him and they, they kind of gave him a a second home. And he has really flourished with being out there with them and helping them out. And they just built a new pond. They bought like, was it in two, either 2019 or 2020, they bought 60 acres of land from donations and stuff. It's just a remarkable story. Dude, I love it. Absolutely. That's what we're trying to do with these guys. So I love it. And dude, anytime I'm, I'm dead serious. If you guys are ever taking out a bow hunter or something and there's a way I can help, let me know. I mean, it might not be, the biggest thing but if i could provide a bow hitch to a to a veteran or to somebody who doesn't have a limb you know and, and can help ease some of that burden i'd be happy to do so that'd be awesome and then there's another name drop i want to give you it's it's, it's called op uh the dust off project they're based out of iowa and uh, tyson uh trunk has been on my podcast several times great dude his fiance was just on my podcast here a few months ago but he started a dust off project for veterans, service members, anyone with, anybody with a DD-214 or retired fire department. And what he does is that uh, he re- he receives bows and repurposes them. He'll put new strings on them, take care of the re- limbs and risers. He's got a great uh, relationship with a couple of different string companies. Uh, HG has got a great relationship. But what they do is he just he, – whatever takes a bow in and, he, and uh, whatever veteran qualifies for him, they'll donate the bow for him based off of what they're looking for if they're – looking for a target archery or a hunting bow and it's got to be like within the last 10 years so this way it's just easier for it it just uh 
a nicer quality of, uh, of Bo. And then yeah, that's what he does. He's donates them. And every time I release a podcast with him, somebody always seems to have an old Bo setting in their closet. That's just collecting dust and asked to ship it out to him. And how, how do I get my bow to him? Love it, dude. So cool. Yeah. He's going to be yep, actually going to be there this weekend too. So he's, he's a good dude. Yeah. Yeah. So, give him, give him my info. Oh, hundred percent. Now, do you guys have, do you, so what's, what's happening on for the rest of the summer? Any big major events coming your way down the way? So this way oh, my yeah. listeners can follow you and find you. Please do. Yeah. You guys look us up. So the easiest way to look us up and, and any questions you might have is uh, just a DM on Instagram. It's at the bow hitch. You got to put in the, so at the bow hitch and we're really good on our Instagram page or not really good, but we're proficient in our Instagram page. Uh, not as great at the Facebook stuff, but um, we still get the messages across there. But for our shows, our, we just got out of San Antonio last weekend. We did the TAC. Our next show is going to be up at Soldiers Hollow in Utah. And mm-hmm. that one is a mountain archery. We'll be up there with the Elk Bros and with Guy from Western Contours. And um, that's going to be a great show. So it's at the uh, uh, Soldiers Hollow. That's where the uh, Olympics were in Utah. Okay. Back in the day. Very cool event. Uh, very cool venue. We'll be there. We're going to be in Beaver, Utah, which is Eagle Point. And that's another mountain archery fest. And then we're going to be in Park City, Utah, for the TAC. That's a four-day TAC. That's the last one of their season. And it's going to be huge. It's a four-day event. And um, so we're looking forward to that one. We will be at the Hike to Hunt. There's one in Angel Fire, New Mexico. And there's one in Flagstaff, Arizona. And then we are also doing the first ever... It's a new one. It's called Western Hunt Fest. And Western Hunt Fest actually has a really cool, it's a pack out challenge where they have a simulated elk that you and your partner have to go and pack out. And they're going to give a, like a champion belt and stuff and uh, some really good prizes. So that'll be another event we're at this year at the end of August. And then uh, after that, it's hunting season. That's awesome, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys' pictures and posting your videos. They're awesome listening to you talk and what you what you got going on and everything else like that. And then I really greatly appreciate you taking the time out of your your long trip. Good thing you're gonna be in you got a got at least what uh eight hours of windshield time. So at least you'll chip away sometime. Yeah. Yes, sir. No, I, I uh thank you for having me. Um yeah, anytime I can help you out, uh any of your listeners. Like I said, we're, we're not a big company, but there's always something small that we can do. So if you guys are trying to do something good, reach out to me. Let's do some good. Excellent. I think that's a perfect note to end on. Thank you, sir. Later, brother. Have a great night.